0: Welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors, delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shailash. I'm the CEO at Get Football Group, and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host David. David, how are you this morning? Shailash, I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a it's been a very busy summer. Deadline day is done. And I thought what we wanted to do today, David, actually, is, is not just focus on on what's happened in the last couple of months, you know, with the deadline day and how that impacts a sporting director, but actually, I wanted to kind of pick your brains a bit about, you know, potentially the last twelve months or so, you know, since you've really started profiling these directors, looking at a lot of the activity of these clubs and leagues and how they seem to operate, and just kind of pick your brains on 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 what you think. You know, we've had the World Cup in between. We've had lots of distractions in there as well. You know, and I wanted to kind of just pick your brains a bit on, you know, what what clubs or, or directors specifically, you know, the activity that you've seen from them, you know, looking at all the the actual things that have happened within their leagues and and the World Cup, etc. You know, have done a good job, a bad job, some highlights or or some interesting things that you've seen. I think, and then we can. Pick pick that apart a bit more going into this uh, episode.
1: Yes, yes. Um, like I said right before we started recording, you know, uh, the tendency is to is to eyeball one or two transfers, no matter what the dollar amount may or may not have been, or whether it's a loan or Romelu Lukaku or Moisés Caicedo or or what have you. The 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 tendency is to say that consummates a transfer window or consummates the, the recruitment and that'd be patently false. That's wrong. Um, no one transfer uh, is the uh, cherry on top or wh- whatever cliche um, somebody cleverer than me can come up with. It's a body of work. You, you don't build or sorry, you don't finish a project, you know, um, uh, in a timeline of a club by just signing one player. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I really—it's funny because there's a balance, right? Um, there's a balance between being able to spend or focusing on spending well and and scouting well, or just scouting well and not having—dare I say—the uh, the, the budget, the funds. And one club that is not for everybody is definitely a—I a, would even say—a cult club of sorts—is uh, Napoli. Um, they have an owner that, to me, they have one of the. I mean, all the Italian um, setups are are very savvy, um, cynical, even. Um, but Aurelio De Laurentiis at Napoli, for me, over the past uh, let's say fifteen years almost that I've been following football closely, he is one of the savviest, one of the sharpest operators. Um, he knows he knows how to spend his money in a, in a sense of like where to um, invest in managers or specific profiles, but he also has a conviction in his setup to where they identify a player, a talent, i.e. Lorenzo Insigne, uh, Edinson Cavani, um, Osimhen, or, or now, more recently, Jesper Lindstrom, the, or, you know, I'm going to butcher his name, but Cavachara, Cavachara. Him, him, KVR, KVA, fill in the rep Like, like they, they there's conviction there that is uh, supported by a strong recruitment setup that he oversees, and he obviously has final decision making, right? Which leads me to my point um, that I'll I'll stop at. Uh, you know, we can talk about sporting directors, we can talk talk about heads of recruitment, chief scouts, data. Budget, at the end of the day, who is the final decision maker? Because that final decision maker is going to um, influence the decision making of the club. So whether it's an owner uh, or uh, as he titles himself, a president at Are- as uh, Aurelio De-, De Laurentiis at Napoli or in a more, um, dare I say, different setup like Bayer Leverkusen, where you have you have. Uh, you have two different, um, you know, you have a, a CEO and then you have a sporting CEO and a business CEO underneath it. Uh, what Simon Rolfus has been able to do uh, by offloading some players, but then getting in more talent, i.e. Grimaldo and Victor Boniface, those are things that they seem easy because they're clubs are of, of renown, but it takes Calendar years, months worth of planning. It's not so much that you know you decide in June to get the best striker in, in Belgium by July. That's not usually how it
0: works. Uh, that makes sense actually. And Napoli is quite an interesting club that you brought up. I mean, you know, they obviously they won the Scudetto last year. They've had a good start this year, but they have had some big change, right? I mean, you know, the the sporting director is is now Mara Meluso. Who's come in after, you know, Gentoli, I think, got nabbed by Juventus. Um, and they obviously had a new manager in place as well now. So we talk a lot about fit and alignment, um, and that takes time. But I'm just wondering, with that level of change at a club like Napoli, where the expectations are probably quite high now, you know, based on what you know about, you know, Mauro Meluso or just the general alignment within the club, because you mentioned, you know, Laurentis obviously, he runs that club you know very well what do, what do you think what you what are you expecting potentially you know do you think it's just business as usual or do you think they're going to be doing something different
1: good question I think it's business as usual in fact I know it's business as usual um when I first started following Italian football Serie A uh Napoli's manager was Walter mazzari mm-hmm. look him up he's I don't know where he is right now I don't think he's managing a, a club um At least in Europe, I I don't believe so. Uh, But the last episode that we had is actually instructional when we talk about uh, recruitment and and recruitment setups. Egos. Aurelio De Laurentiis to the outside world is the most egotistical, most flamboyant, most braggadocious. I'm I'm exaggerating, but like he (laughs) in Italy, he is. um, It's not that he's hated. I mean, maybe he is, you know. But like he's very outspoken. And the club, everybody at Napoli understands Maradona might have played there, but this is Aurelio's club now, right? And that's no, those two things are mutually, um, exclusive. It's a, it's a very passionate fan base, but everybody knows operationally that this is Aurelio's club and what he say works, what he says works. And he's even said as much, especially with, um, uh, Luciano Spalletti taking probably the quickest sp- sabbatical known to man uh, <laughs> to then come back. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but, but more so to say that um, at the end of the day, uh, Aurelio is the alpha. He, what he says goes. And um, when you look at Spalletti leaving and then Cristiano Giuntoli going to Juventus these are things that if you read or watch uh, Italian football, they've been rumored or, or hushed, you know, hinted at for months, even the better part of a year. Honestly, uh, Gentoli leaving was no secret, no secret whatsoever. Spalletti was pretty much a done deal by end of April. Right. As far as like, OK, he's not he's, he's not coaching. He's not managing next year. All of that really is just fodder when the headman, the owner, um is still there and he's what he says goes, right? A club that is more of a uh a, a black box when it comes to that, just as far as more mysterious, but it's similar, is Montpellier in France. Uh Laurent Nicolin, I, I believe it's Laurent, um, took over for his father, who tragically passed away, I think within the past decade. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's it's been I think it's been more than five years. Um what he says, how, how he wants the club to work, even those of us on the outside may not know how it works. But if you go into that club, you go into that setup, you do it his way. So having an ego, um, again, you know, to, to do a, a super uh, summarized version of the last epos- episode, having an ego is important. And it's also fundamental because when there is change... Whoever is the, dare I say, the lead dog allows for there to be some semblance of normalcy. So obviously context dependent, but no, Napoli, I mean, Rudy Garcia is interesting. I don't know how that one's going to work, I'll be honest,
0: but we'll see. Well, I mean, David, that's that's quite interesting, actually, because, you know, Napoli have kept their their best players, which I think... um, it's going to help them massively, I think, to continue playing in the in the, in the quite exciting style that they had, and it, you know, hopefully the the manager and the sporting director can continue that, and we'll see what happens with Napoli. But you mentioned um, Montpellier in the French league, and I think with some of the big names, you know, that have left PSG. Do you think other clubs are maybe thinking that there are other opportunities there and I know we spoke previously before we started this about Monaco you know and they they've done some interesting business and they've got a a new sporting director there in Carlos Savina and a new manager actually as well so what what are your thoughts on on, on Monaco? Uh,
1: Monaco is always uh, well at least more recently more recent past is always a strong contender if If there is continuity and continuity, um, again, (laughs) a lot of my uh, European football education is Italian uh, in the sense that uh, when uh, clubs such as as Udinese or Fiorentina or Hello Napoli would uh, decline signing a free agent or, um, you know, a free transfer type player, they would say, especially during the winter transfer, when they would say, oh, well, you know, continuity or, or, or a player returning from injury is, is, is as good as a new transfer. Um, fans hate it. Supporters hate it because it's usually garbage.
0: <laughs> but
1: <laughs> but um, uh, stylistically, though, continuity, and this is, in my opinion, um, especially in France and in Germany, um italy is a little bit more different because there's how do i say this there's more there's more of a baseline of i'm gonna call it um not continuity there's more of a baseline of 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 club talent in a sense so you really don't have bad as much as much you seemingly you don't have as many bad teams that are going to be you, you can tell they will be relegated within you know four match days right uh so um continuity in in the French League and Ligue 1 is interesting I mean you have PSG there and PSG is its own yeah, I'm gonna call it a miasma its own nightmare because it doesn't <laughs> matter who and it's just me like it doesn't matter who you bring in it doesn't matter who the manager is because of how the um, because of how the club is set up, I just I don't ever see fulfillment there, right? Um, the, the, in my opinion, until you have somebody who is not um, I, f- I forget the um, the uh, the uh, the president's name, uh, uh, until you have somebody who is beneath him, who wields power, who is more of a power broker within the club. I.e., even though mixed results, somebody like Leonardo, until you have somebody like that in place, you're essentially burning, you know, you're, you're building, you know, somewhat, you know, you get talent from Portugal or from, you know, the other um, high producing academies in France, but you don't have an identity. And ironically, it goes back to ego. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, um, I'm somewhat jokey, but he kind of runs that club because they, they have to hold on to him. You know, they have Luis Campos there. They have Luis Enrique there. But it doesn't matter because they're most likely going to win the league. But they're also going to lose the best player who also is the best player um, in France, if not in the world, or, or, you know, European world, Ballon d'Or. So I'm taking the long way around. But, it, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the PSG is going to win it, right? They mm-hmm. just have more resources. They have more resources than, than any other club. And then you have the likes of uh, Leon with the, uh, oh, boy, you know, Aulas and Textor and all, all that stuff. Uh, so this might be a year where uh, Monaco is somewhat – I would I would have Monaco and Ren as dark horses simply because of focus, like not having to focus on something new or, so, you know, something above the pitch, Um that being said who, who knows right i mean that's that's why they play the game but um the, the french league is always league on is always ripe for a new contender always because there's so much ingoing and outgoing every uh summer window and it's it's a one of the best leagues uh in europe for young talent to um to uh showcase itself so I believe that Adi Hutter at AS Monaco, along with uh, Thiago Scudo um, as sporting director, they brought in Carlos Alvinia from Bruges underneath. I, I, I don't I don't believe you feel the impact of that probably until next summer. Um, you know, just being honest. But essentially, it's it's stacking the deck. You know, um, Todd Bowley does it. A lot of clubs do, do it. Southampton does it. St- stacking the deck is never a bad thing. It's always um, uh, uh, incumbent on the timeline that the club wants to apply.
0: Yeah, I, you're right about that stack in the deck, and I, and I don't know whether the clubs are doing it. I, I don't know. I just I just feel there's a certain level of apathy with PSG now, and you know, and maybe yeah, they're probably going to win it, right? If you speak to anybody, and you know, your brain says they're going to win it with the amount of money they have, the resources they have, etc. But I don't know. Maybe there will be a few breakouts this season. I think Monaco, like like you said, and Ren, you know, they are they are potentially ripe to take advantage of some of it. Speaking, you know, again, we we mentioned on a previous episode about builders and burners and how sporting directors are, you know, usually one or the other. Have any directors that you've seen in the way they operate in the last, I guess, you know, twelve months shown their hand a bit more onto what type of director they are? Oh well, or changed okay. or changed from a builder to a burner or the other way around. I guess.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I I feel like you.
0: It's a good question.
1: Um, you know, I said it before we started recording. Um, I, and, and this is I'm copping out on your question. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm, I'm, that's gonna, all right. Uh, I I feel like we there is a level of um. I don't want to call it timidity, but th- think about this. The World Cup wasn't even a year ago at this point, right? So when I see a club like Real Madrid lose three or four um, you know, starter-capable talents, profiles, I'm not blaming the World Cup specifically. I'm not saying that their transfer model or anything is broken um, or, or, or anything of, of that magnitude. Yet, when you if you were to go to football Twitter right now and um, uh, frequent the uh, Real Madrid fan accounts, there is this there's 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 similar lines of thought. Twenty twenty four, Kylian Mbappe, or um, do we need to add more to the squad? So, your question is is asking me who has shown their hand. Um, I don't know if anybody necessarily can, in a sense, but I'll give I'll give you how I'm how I would begin to answer that question. So if you look at the top, uh, and, and I would put Bayern Munich not at the top top, just financially speaking, but competitively on the pitch, their top five club, top ten club, right? They sold out, sold out for Harry Kane, a thirty year old uh, center forward. I say thirty year old. Only in the sense that you know they're they're not aiming for resale value in what they purchased them for, right? They're they, they are paying they are paying for performance for goals, right? And that's a strategic play. Um, what what are they thinking? What are, what are they thinking? And um, put that on one side, and then put bring back buyer Leverkusen, okay? Yeah. Oh, let me also before um, before I move on to Bayern Leverkusen. Um, uh, Bayern Munich kept uh, Thomas Tuchel. That's his name. Kept Tuchel, Tuchel as as manager. Okay, you go across the country somewhat. You know, on the autobahn there, and you you go to Bayern Leverkusen and you see uh, that they kept Xabi Alonso for now, um, but Xabi Alonso undoubtedly is in the waiting room for next elite managers. Undoubtedly. Um, it just—it's just a fact. They also have multiple young profile talent. I don't know how Jeremy Frimpong is still in that team or still in that club. Um, I don't—I don't know how. I don't know how. That being said, they brought in Victor Boniface. They took uh, Grimaldo from Benfica, which is another. I don't know how much they're sleeping, but um, maybe Europe is sleeping on what Benfica is doing. Uh, And honestly, bring them into the conversation as well. Uh, Benfica has gotten three to six talents from other let's say top oh, outside top 10 leagues in the last two windows what's the play here to me the play and this might be too long for the, some of those uh listening the play is to be at full power prior to the next world cup um that that is i mean it's it's far away but it's not far away right So when I look at Bayern Munich, when I look at, um, you know, Leverkusen, um, when when I look at uh, Mbappe, when I look at all these dominoes, um, that is that is the in my opinion, that's the best way to look at it. What is happening at the top of the game, the top of the game, um, even though I don't like saying PSG is at the top of the game, the top of the game is the world's best player, the world's most marketable player for what it's worth is not renewing with the best club in his country. Say what you want about that, but that every club underneath that uh, financial uh, climate will will and can be affected, right? Um, I know I'm bouncing a lot around in, in Germany, but Borussia Dortmund signed Niklas Volkru. Uh I think it's just called the top goal scorer in Germany, just called what, Turekanen or whatever. He's uh league leading scorer last year. They took him from Werder Bremen. What does that do to the rest of the league? What does that do to Werder Bremen specifically? It weakens them, right? It weakens them 48 hours, you know, 96 hours before the transfer window closes. So there, there's a handful. There's a lot of, 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 of directors or clubs that their recruitment has been, I'm going to say, strategic. Some of it is more next summer, you know, the summer of 24. Others are again there's the phrase stacking the deck towards 25 24 25 25 26 and that is that is interesting because there's different ways to go about how to spin that as far as you know the validity or the legitimacy of a project but we're not talking about small dollar amounts even on, on the more um uh, the word I want to use is frivolous even though that's not the best word you you look at Nottingham Forest and just how how many players that they've purchased in the last three windows, right? Um, what, what to what end, right? You know, I don't say that uh, specifically to Nottingham Forest as far as this season. I'm just saying when you <laughs> can I call it the Todd Bowley effect uh, <laughs> when when you get young talent early, right? It goes back to one thing I say a lot, which is okay. Pathway. What is the pathway? And unless we can, as a club, define pathways for every player, every profile, we we get log jams, we get loans, we get buyback options, we get these things that we put in uh, to contracts for players at transfers as you know appeasements to certain parties, but they end up being pivotal as far as retaining power in. Um, a profile so that was probably the longest answer to a question you've you've ever asked me but i think i did okay
0: (laughs) that was was fine that was fine david i know i put you on the spot a little bit there and i I think it's interesting actually the forest stuff and then the way they are stacking i guess talent you know compared to the way todd bowley is stacking talent you know there's obviously a different price range in there but just 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 back to buy leverkusen i know they seem to have spent well. They seem to have have some stability with you know within the within the club. Um, you know they they kept Javi Alonso, which I know you mentioned is is definitely priming himself for a, I guess a bigger move. But w- would you say that the fit and alignment within Bayer Leverkusen is probably the best it's ever been based on what what you've seen? Oh, um. I mean, compared to other German clubs, right, where you said that they've been picked apart a little bit or Bayern Munich, they just spent, you know, 100-odd 100, 100 million on, on Harry Kane because, A, they can and, B, because probably they have to show some level of, you know, their might, I guess. So I'm just curious. Are Bayern Leverkusen just kind of just doing it silently, stealthily, but quite cleverly?
1: You know, I really like that question because it forced me to... Um, be more direct in what my initial answer is, but then it makes me draw back. So the direct answer is yes, 100%. Um, I, I feel like if you're not, I mean, let's be, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm in the, the United States, right? If you're not Bayern or you're not Borussia Dortmund, for the most part, you don't get a lot of play as far yeah. as um, being talked about by the, the bigger media outlets and, and all that, right? Um, however, to be fair, to be very fair and to be respectful, Bayern Leverkusen has been doing this for 20, 25 years. They're, they're one of the best, most, um, let's call it representative clubs of recruiting, uh, in Europe for me. Um, you were asking a question, I was joking in my mind. I was like, you know what? Uh, Byron Leverkusen is one of the few clubs that I actually download the app for. The rest of the clubs, eh, you know, their app. You know, I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I'm just saying I don't need to download the app. I have the uh, Bayer Leverkusen's app in German because I like what they do. I like how they communicate, and I like how they they have an identity. So I answered your question directly, but let me draw back because I feel like this this actually answers one of your previous questions as well. The reason why I believe that Bayer Leverkusen and, you know, it, I call it hidden in plain sight, H-I-P-S. Uh, th- they do the same things, but there's an openness to what and how they're operating as far as who their identity is that allows them to, I'm going to call it, that allows them to commit football espionage and no is the wiser, right? Simon Rolfus has been one of the key proponents of data and uh, Amazon, uh, what is it called? Uh, Amazon Analytics, whatever they share for their you know, their um, uh, in, uh, game day productions, right? I don't know if another club has openly used it or embraced it as, well, as much. In fact, Seaman Rolfus, I believe, is still an ambassador for that. Why am I talking about analytics? I'm talking about analytics simply because when you have an identity as far as recruitment and scouting players and bringing in players from Africa, South America, Belgium, wherever you can find young talent, that's already a part of your club identity. When you say, "Hey, we're going to use more data or more, you know, uh, more metrics," people say, "Okay, whatever," because they know who, what your identity is. And when when results don't go to plan, i.e., a season ago when they had Gerard uh, Selwan, Gerardo Selwan who's now at Borussia Mönchengladbach, they don't blame analytics. They don't blame poor recruitment. They say they realize, maybe that's a better word. They realize that for what it's worth, that manager in this club didn't work. And that is as a, I'm going to call it as an ecosystem ownership, sporting director, club, manager himself, supporters understand it didn't work out because everybody knows what the identity of the club is. And there is no ill will. It's just the, the relationship, the terms needed to be changed. That's it. So, Hmm. Um, hopefully, I'm not getting too esoteric here, but when you are adamant in reinforcing your your identity and your vision, you can add on ex- accessories like data. You can add on more memberships. You know, as far as uh, season tickets, uh, subscribers, what have you, can add on all these things and talk about them openly. Because when you talk about it openly with the supporters, with the club, with the players. At contract renewals, everybody is on the same page. Meanwhile, clubs across the country are trying to sign the best, you know, uh, British player available. Or, you know, there's all these things. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying those things are headline grabbing. Whereas, I mean, this is my hot take of, of sorts. Victor Boniface, I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he's at Leverkusen for more than one season. I'd be surprised. He's just too—he's too big. He's too fast. He's too good. And oh yeah, he's too young to not have a ridiculous offer that uh, Leverkusen can refuse, right? How many other clubs, championship level, Europa League level clubs had had the uh, the opportunity to, to bring them into their setup? The answer is all of them, right? So you you get to a place where it's not um, in 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 the states with American football. We say uh, one of the sayings is it's not about X's and O's. It's not about tactics. It's not about strategy. It's not about that brand new thing that um, is taking over. You know the grassroots level. Th- those are important, yes. It's about so the, the full phrase is, it's it's not about X's and O's, it's about Jimmy's and Joe's. So it's about the people. Who are you bringing in? Who are you empowering? Who are you saying, hey, which which scout are you saying, hey, you're doing good work? Just finish your next assignment in Africa or in Belgium, and we'll find a way to give you even more work and give you a pay rise. Like, those are things that are not headline worthy in a sense. But when you have a clear identity, when you have a clear destination as far as what your club will be about as it does its business, you become a siren to enterprising uh talent, whether it's technical, whether it's managerial, whether it's player talent.
0: Nah, that answers the question really well, actually you know that was that was great david um i guess looking looking a little bit I don't want to say negative but do your are your spider senses tingling or some alarm bells being raised on i guess certain activity or certain clubs or where you think maybe the fit and alignment is is getting wider or you know the shirt is getting heavier i guess based on what we've done previously you know any any clubs or, or directors where you think this this could be challenge i mean everyone's going to have a challenge but any any that you potentially a scene in the top five leagues.
1: Uh, so you mean more, uh, let's just say, troubling or, or even negative trending? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah,
0: this- yeah I, I guess so. You know, a sporting director, maybe you know, he has a certain way of working or she has a certain way of working and the club's moving direction or, or they're being forced to do a certain thing. I, I don't know. Just a- anything where your spider senses are going, this will be an interesting one to watch and not necessarily because I'm liking what they're doing, but I, I worry potentially
1: yeah it's a good question I'll, I'll try my best to be brief um <laughs> you know <laughs> we all know that's not gonna work but no, <laughs> have to at least aim for it right yeah um, one so i'll start in italy i i'll be honest i'm not a lukaku guy i'm just not um i'm not saying that like he's not productive i'm not saying that um what i'm saying is i i just i i've never been about it um so to me, you bring in that guy, that that profile, and everything that is, okay? Uh, Lukaku is a high performer, but he's also a high visibility profile. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, one of my favorite managers, Jose Mourinho, is there. There will be drama. <laughs> there will be drama. Um, it's not talked about a lot uh, in, in, in the sense that he's not Outside of Portugal and Italy, he's not a bigger name, but Tiago Pinto is doing a very solid job as a sporting director there. Very solid. Very solid. In fact, it's almost creepy how quiet he's been, uh, or how it's been around him. Like, I don't know what he's doing or who who he's <laughs> who he's employed to keep his uh profile super low, but um respect, kudos to Tiago Pinto. So that's the one where um you know, quite frankly, it's not even results dependent. It's just what, like, what, what is the straw that breaks the camel's back there relationship-wise in Roma? That's, that's what I see. Um, yeah. In France, uh, you know, uh, I'm scared to say this because I really want what's... Uh, so we, we all have seminal moments, right? Just as far as moments we all remember. I will never forget Leon playing Barcelona and Juninho hitting that free kick and Benzema still being there. Yet yeah, we fast forward to 2023 and the takeover between the, the, the drama between uh, Michael Aulas, Jean Michael Aulas, and John Textor, and all this just, I'm going to call it pettiness. Um, it's such a fruitful academy and setup and developmental hub of, of all of football. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't like it, but I don't want to say anything definitively just because it's, it's, I just don't know. And I, and I want to be more positive. So that, that'd be my one uh, uh, trapdoor door club in, in, or trapdoor situation in France, in Germany. Um, it's early. Germ- Germany is one of my favorite. I'm, I, mean, I think I watch every single. Yeah. Well, I watched every single match day last year. Every single every single match day, all thirty eight weeks uh, last year, uh, because it's just it's just entertaining to me. Um, I don't think Bayern's going to have issues like they had last year because Tuchel is is savvier than Nagelsmann um, relationship wise. Um, but let's let's see what um, let's see what happens with uh, I, I would say it, it's not a negative sense. But I, I think that Leipzig might really be a whole lot better uh, or a whole lot closer to Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund than um, what, we, what we normally think, in a sense. Uh, Le- Leipzig has been more of a cup team, you know, uh, a, a, a Pokal team of sorts. They won the last two, for crying out loud, right? But I think they might be more, more than that. Uh, who am I missing? Spain? La Liga? Uh, somehow. Somehow, um, I have not brought out my stick for Barcelona openly, publicly. Um, I just I see pain in the future because they, they, they buy players that they can't register. Um, you know, um, I believe Ansu Fati is I don't know, I don't know. They, they have a very good manager in Xavi, but if you can lose Pep Guardiola for, the, you know, for the, uh, from the cauldron, that is Barcelona football, it's possible. It's possible, especially with elections. I don't know if, if next year or the year after is an election year, but <laughs> everything is possible and burnable in that sense, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and then, lastly, Premier League. Um, I can't pick Chelsea, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I've, I've read. It's not going to be Chelsea. It's going to be another London-ish. Bournemouth is in London, right? I'm not crazy.
0: No, no, it's not. Bournemouth is on the South. No, no, no.
1: Okay. Everybody don't hate me for that. (laughs) Um, Bournemouth is an interesting situation because they have shelled out money uh, for for players, for transfers. Yeah. from the communication or the, let's call it, I call it the propaganda. I say that respectfully. The propaganda that I hear as far as why, it makes sense. I wonder if it's too early. I wonder if it's a year or a season or even a window too early. So um, that that would be the, the, the situation. There's others, but that would be, well, okay, there's two. I'll, I'll pick out two. So Bournemouth is just a question mark. Let's see. Let's see if they're right. The one that is—I don't know how it ends well for anybody—is Wolverhampton. I don't—I don't know how that ends well for anybody. Um, God bless yeah. them, but yeah, that—that that one, wow. Um, what? What? Yeah, I don't—I don't even know what to say other than it's not looking good at all.
0: Oh, those are all great shouts, actually, David. And just—just and just to uh, protect you a little bit from the—from the, I guess, geographical people out there. I mean, Bournemouth is. I guess in an American terms, and the distances you have over there, it probably you probably could say it's very very close to London. <laughs> I guess you know those uh, those one and a half hour drives um, are, are are nothing to you guys. So I can understand why maybe it's a two hour drive. But anyway, but Thank those you. are great shouts. And, ac- and actually, we we said we were never we were not going to do predictions, but this will be something interesting to come back to. I guess in a few months' time and see how those uh, clubs that you've picked up you yeah, know how are doing and those people are also doing interestingly there is a lot of the ego actually in the ones that you picked so that would be interesting to see as well uh, david just lastly um and and because you know deadline day is done a- across europe and and but it's still active in in saudi and i'm just curious i mean we're not going to obviously speculate on things but i'm just wondering as as a director you know this is this this is like a as a club it's like a you know, it's it's like an existential kind of force that comes in that you really don't know much about. How, you know, what kind of things do you think directors would need to do to protect themselves or, I guess, exploit what's happening there? And this is a bigger episode, so, you know, we can keep this one brief and we'll go into it in a bit more detail as, you know, once the the window ends for everybody. But I'm just curious as to if you have any thoughts on what you've been seeing on Saudi.
1: Yeah, I mean... What I'll say as a, uh, as a starting point with the Saudi league is w- we have to give them time. Um, they can say, and I say this respectfully, any league, any country can say this, that, or the other about their brand or level of football. Time will tell. Time will tell every single time. And I'm an American. I'm saying about the MLS until hot take number one. Or seven, depending on how much you listen to this podcast. Like until the MLS redoes I'm just gonna say scraps its recruitment um, processes and, and bylaws, it will never be what it says it wants to be. It just won't. It just won't because there is no <laughs> there's no way you're gonna fight the rest of the global football world. Um, stylistically and literally, if you have different recruitment rules, it just doesn't make sense. So that's hot take number one, okay? Um, as far as the Saudis, um, I, I, I want, I want to be clear over being clever. I I just, in general, um, I think that there's something there. There's something there that, that needs to be, that we need to be mindful of. Um, I don't know if it's just a new adventure um, but you have such extremes where players are jumping ship to get paid uh, and to go for a quote-unquote new experience. Interesting use case. Yannick Carrasco, uh, Atletico Madrid, if you look at the clubs that he's been transferred to, it just makes you wonder. That's all I'm going to say. Not not the player specifically. That's that's none of my business. But um, just the clubs he's gone to and the the amounts, it's just interesting, right? I say that to say that at the end of the day as a sporting director, whether it's a club or it's a new or sorry, whether it's a, a, a club with new ownership and new, new budgets, i.e you know Chelsea or, or you know any American hedge, any other American hedge fund group, you're always leery. Um, however, you, you, pull, you, you have to be resolved to pull a Brighton and have tight contracts and stick to your contractual terms. Um, the other side of it, too, is that, you know, um, I'm talking about MLS and, and how their recruitment guidelines and rules are ugh, leave a lot to be desired. Why do we have 17 different transfer window closing times? Why is that a thing? Right. I mean, I understand, but I don't, you know, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't benefit the game. It doesn't it doesn't benefit the managers. Um and, You know, I normally don't go to bat for managers, especially on this um, podcast, in a sense. But like, it doesn't benefit management in the technical uh, realm to know transfer window closes, you know, September 1st. Oh, hey, good job being a stand up professional. You just lost one of your, you know, one of the, the guys you called up for the match day squad due to transfer. Who do you bring in? Like, you know, like these are things that are not. It's not that they're not fair. It's just more so we can do it better. We can do it better, but that is that's big dog stuff. That's Infantino suffering stuff. So I have resolved myself to never talk on that level. <laughs> so um, yeah, it. it I, I think it's really hard. It's really really hard. Uh, last comment I'll make really quickly. Um, I'm sharing a a, a post or um, a comment, a quote from Andrea Schicker, and he says something that. To me, is a rallying cry. You're either for it or you're not. It depends your arc as far as world football. Um, he said, "Look, like there's a lot of money in football, and because of how entertaining football is, and you know, if you do it right, it can be very profitable. You know, um, we here at Sturm Graz in Austria, we don't do that. We're going the opposite direction. We want to show that you can recruit and scout and build a club the the more methodical way, and still have great results." That, to me, I mean, that's why I'm biased. That's why I like him and others like him, the builders, because they see the long game. The long game isn't necessarily that you have the best league in the world. That's a great thing to shoot for. Believe me, the long game is do those who watch your football, um, either live or on demand, do they enjoy it? It sounds very, very uh, vague and high level, but to me, that's it. Do I enjoy? I, I mean, just the, the clips I've watched about the Saudi Pro League, I, I, I'm waiting. I'll say it that way. I'm waiting.
0: Yeah, that's David. I think I think we're all waiting, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in between their window, clo- well, in between the, the the window that's just closed and their window closing, and what disruption or mayhem ensues. And then what that actually does to clubs and maybe directors. And we can talk a bit about that in, in upcoming episodes. Um, David, this is this has actually been really, really quite an insightful one because we've actually put ourselves out there in quite a big way. So we'll see what what, what feedback we get from the listeners. Um, you know, and it's it's something that we hope you guys enjoy. And you know, we really, really thank you for taking time out of your day to, to listen to myself and David talk about football you know, within the context of directors and, and a little bit of a different angle, I will be putting um, David's Twitter handle in the show notes. And we'll, I'll also put a link to our builders and burners episode, you know, which we referenced in, in this one, which is, is quite an interesting episode on on the way sporting directors operate, you know, whether they're a builder like Andrew Shika as David mentioned, or whether they're a burner, you know, and um, there are some examples in there, but maybe, you know, Todd Bowley and his team could be classed as burners, I guess. But you know, we will put a link in there so you guys can um, listen to that episode if you so wish. And lastly, I just want to say thanks again for being here. And we really, really hope you have a great day.